Hey folks, welcome to the second episode of the Letterpress Digest podcast. In this episode, you'll hear from Brian Allen, who has decades of experience in the printing world. He's seen printing go from analog to digital and now in some ways back to analog. He tells us about his storied background, which quite interestingly includes a period in which his handwriting was converted into a digital typeface for Microsoft during his years working for Monotype. You'll also hear about his other favorite typefaces, his European letterpress machines, and a whole lot more. Uh, Okay, here we go. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy to have you. Uh, Welcome to the Letterpress Digest podcast. Well, thank you very much. I'm very pleased to um, be with you and uh, talk about my career and uh, all the great things that have happened with Letterpress. Fantastic. Yeah, from what I gather, you have quite a storied career in printing in general. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, I'm... I may be one of the few people who have uh, uh, transitioned between the major types of printing from uh, letterpress hand hand set type to phototype and offset printing to digital and uh, the wonderful world we live in now. And my, I spent 20 years making the fonts in digital formats for computer systems, starting in 1982. So my career was on the leading edge of the transition from analog to digital. And I'm very proud of uh, my contribution. Wow. But I, I started uh, earlier um, in phototype. And that has turned out to be a relatively short uh, uh, length technology, Hmm. maybe 30, 40 years. And and what is phototype? I'm not sure Uh, I'm familiar with that. Oh, yes. It uh, came and went. Uh, Back in the 50s, there there began to be experiments with having small negatives mounted on linotype mats and photographed so it's a photographic technology most of the companies used a spinning negative of all the letters uh, either uh, tumbling forward over and over like a uh, ferris wheel uh, or around uh, kind of horizontally but there was a flash tube and a photosensitive paper on the opposite side. And they, it was cleverly engineered so that when a letter be, uh, came into the view of the photo tube, mm-hmm. like when you type the letter A, you know, this, this thing is spinning maybe a, a thousand RPM. But as it came into focus, uh, the photo tube would flash an image onto the photosensitive paper. Uh, and then that was developed into um, 
long sheets and then given to the art department and they would cut out and wax down onto the uh, boards uh, the text or headline uh, and then and then for a magazine for instance and uh, uh, that would then be photographed by the page would be photographed by a large camera and a negative created and then that put on a photosensitive aluminum plate and imaged uh, and then that uh, again photographed and then that plate was hung on the press and uh, the offset printing would be done from that. Wow. Wow, that's so uh, it was a it was a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's a it's a very complicated <laughs> process there. Well, okay, so let's go back to letterpress. So tell me, I'm assuming that was sort of your the beginning of your career. I mean, how did how did you even get into to printing? I mean, was it something out of college? How, how did that? It's uh, it was something that was um, serendipitous, okay. but seems inevitable. Uh, I I was always a bookish child and loved drawing, and I majored in geography at uh, Colgate University, and my favorite class was cartography. And um, uh, I I had planned on an academic career in geography and went to a year uh, went through the first year of uh, graduate program at the University of Toronto. But I should have taken a year off in between. I was burned out on <laughs> school. So I left uh, uh, university and uh, went to Boston and got a job at a map-making company. And uh, I found Phototype as a way to make a living and made my living for five or six years as a Phototype setter in various uh, machines and technologies uh, in the mid, mid to late 70s. And um, that was uh, what, fas- what fascinated me was that you could suggest an era or a mood by the choice of typeface. Mm, and yeah. I had never really paid attention to it uh, younger, being younger. Mm-hmm. Then I started uh, taking calligraphy classes and getting more interested in the art and craft of books. And then mm. calligraphy was very, then was uh, uh, just being rebirthed. Um, mm-hmm. And it had a strong connection to letterpress. Uh, the people who did calligraphy were uh, uh, similar minded to letterpress people. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how things um, uh, kind of came together. And I, uh, then in 1982, I uh, went to Southern California to uh, begin my digital t- uh, font production career. I did not mm-hmm. design type of, of my own design, but I was one of the group who uh, put the outlines that the true type designers created into mm-hmm. digital format, digitizing okay. and all of that. Wow. Yeah. So when did you begin letterpress printing? Uh, my first class was in 1978 uh, with Daniel Carr, who turned okay. out to be a very, uh, he was a very interesting person and turned out to be a very influential person in uh, uh, helping to uh, 
uh, get people interested in, in cutting the punches for letterpress uh, type. Uh, that was a dying art then, and he went to um, the French uh, Academy. There were still people there who knew how to cut the steel punches from which the uh, type was cast. And he, his enthusiasm for it brought more people in the U.S. into awareness for it. Mm-hmm. And his, his personality was well-suited for the kind of people who were interested in letterpress and the art of the book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, talking about um, just the, the resurgence almost of letterpress in one of your uh, notes, you mentioned to me, you, you, you said you, you thought it had reached its peak in 2005, you know, and here we are 12 years later and, and yes, it's, it's, it's still on the rise. So can you talk about sort of how you've seen it go from something that's sort of a dying uh, trade to such a resurgence now people like yes, me it's, printing you know yes, it's quite fascinating how things have worked uh, and now offset printing is going through the same cycle of uh, being sho- shoved aside and i've seen a uh, class offered at Asheville bookworks on how to learn to use a letterpress uh, a uh, offset press um, how to use an offset press. It's wow. quite amazing. But back in the early 70s, the late 60s, early 70s, letterpress had been uh, overwhelmed by offset printing, and right. most of the large presses had been uh, sent away. They were taking space for what the new offset presses needed. So much of that was either scrapped or sent to uh, uh, South America or India, um, and only the smaller presses were left and uh, shoved into the corner and uh, left to gather dust. And it was uh, uh, artists and um, designers who found that uh, found those machines and started playing with them. Uh, uh, they were either free or almost free. <laughs> And uh, that there was a group, there is a group of people who don't seem to be uh, uh, appreciated now. But in the 70s and through the 80s, the uh, letterpress book printers were the ones who kept everything uh, going, setting metal type. Uh, both uh, New York, San Francisco, uh, an area in western Massachusetts, Northampton and East Hampton. I think they deserve a lot of credit for uh, having kept things going. And then when photopolymer plates became uh, were noticed and uh, uh, started to being used, that's what has caused the rebirth of letterpress. Mm. And those came, that came in the um, late 80s. Really, photopolymer plates came came about in the eighties. I, I I guess I thought those were more recent. Um, yes, yeah. um, that is uh, a product used in the flexographic printing industry. Without right. flexography, there would be no letterpress. I don't think yeah, left. Yeah, the the current right. I mean, it, it definitely makes it more approachable. And just for for context, for those listening, the the these these plates are basically uh, a much easier way to I guess um, transition art right and, and other types of yes. things onto 
uh, letterpress instead of setting, um, you know, type and, and those types of things. That's that's right. right. Okay. Uh, it's uh, very interesting that photopolymer plates are a byproduct of 21st century technology. You right. need uh, uh, InDesign or Illustrator or graphics mm-hmm. software. Uh, so I'm I, uh, quip about. Uh, uh, it's the combination of uh, 15th century and 21st <laughs> century technology, um, but photopolymer plates are really the the thing that made it work. And yeah. um, boxcar press, I give them a lot of respect for um, having created a system that works very well mm-hmm. with the grid on the base, makes uh, setting up very easy. Yeah, can you um, can you kind of just explain maybe how it works, right, with the base and and the plate on top? I mean, maybe yes. those who aren't familiar with letterpress can't quite visualize what this looks like. Yes. So um, uh, metal type is point zero point nine one eight inches high. That's uh, British American type high. Uh, photopolymer plates uh, can have various thicknesses, uh, very minute differences, like 0.001 or uh, 0.01, a hundredth of an inch, that's a hundredth of an inch, that is a huge amount Mm -hmm. in letterpress. So there are, uh, Boxcar has two kinds of bases, two different thicknesses, and um, the uh, polymer plate has a double stick tape backing so okay and it's kind of like just just like a thin piece of plastic almost is what it looks like right that's right yeah there are various uh, kinds of plastic hardnesses okay and there's even a steel back um, uh, polymer plate um, which does give better quality Um, so Depending on your press or needs, you will combine one of the thicknesses of um, polymer plate, which are is, and to back up a bit, uh, that plastic is has a ultraviolet light sensitive coating. Mm. So a negative of your uh, design is made uh, and then sandwiched with that um, plate exposed to ultraviolet light and the uh, exposed part hardens and the unexposed part washes away with water. So it's more environmentally friendly than previous technologies. And uh, being translucent, you can more quickly line crop marks up onto the aluminum base. Mm. So that gets, uh, they get stuck together and you, uh, lock that up in a chase and take it over to the press. Wow! Yeah. It, uh, so I have. Uh, that's that's basically what we've learned on my wife and I. So we've we've explored uh, letterpress printing, but we we do have a couple sets of hand type, right? And and I can't mm-hmm. tell you those are are painstakingly difficult to one make sure i'm reading backwards and uh to two to find the letters in the you know we have a california job case which is Uh you know uh basically all these tiny compartments that are not labeled but are all set you know areas for uppercase letters lowercase letters and 
I, it's really uh, tedious uh, to, 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 to put it all out and to, <laughs> to find the words, you know, and I, it, well, it, it's amazing uh, to, it, that in, in many ways, I guess the photo polymer plate has, has saved uh, letterpress printing from millennials like me who, who you know, maybe yes. don't have the, the patience to, to set you, out metal tight. <laughs> yes, uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, I find hand setting to be meditative. Yeah. And um, it's perhaps not by coincidence that uh, a number of poets and writers started, or not started, but uh, printed their own work, letterpress. And uh, the act of setting the type and the little click of uh, metal against metal right. uh, is meditative. And I think they could uh, uh, rewrite the poem at the, uh, as at the they composing s- table. As they set it, <laughs> they set yes. the letters. Wow. Uh, there's time and you're, you, I sound out the words and yeah. say the, wor- the letters and words matter. Uh, we are reaching a mm. point where they don't anymore, uh, and uh, we are c- becoming a, a different kind of society. But for me, le- printing uh, is about the words and the sentiments and um, uh, having patience. Craft is uh, of extreme uh, importance to me, mm-hmm. and it's there in the setting of type by hand. Right. And I, f- I feel the quality of the result is superior to polymer plates. Polymer plates, yeah. Well, um, how, how long did it take you to learn to read backwards? Uh, and, um, and, and I guess, and upside down, right? It's, it's, uh, uh, it's mostly backwards. Backwards, okay. Uh, I, I don't remember. You have to, you can't fight it. You just have to accept <laughs> yeah. uh, that you are in a different universe right now and just uh, go with it. Um, you can't turn it around in your mind. You just accept it and go forward. Um, there's a humorous anecdote about the, you know, the uh, 60 Minutes program. So, um, 20, 30 years ago, a reporter was. Uh, talking to the e- evil corporate uh, executive about some something they had done wrong. And uh, the executive had a memo on his desk about that. And the re- reporter was asking questions and uh, getting denial after denial. But the reporter had started in uh, earlier in the days of letterpress, and he could read backwards. So he saw the document that the executive was denying existed. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> because he had learned uh, yeah, to he read had been in that other world. Yeah. Yes. That is a funny way to, to put it. You, you just kind of have to accept it. <laughs> I'm going yes. to try that next time I, uh, we, we set some type. I will, uh, yes, patience. Uh, patience. I have the patience of Job. Mm. I, so, uh, <laughs> you do not. Huh? I do not. Yeah, but I. That, <laughs> I think that is a noble pursuit. So, uh, uh, setting type might be something that gets me a little bit closer there. Uh, yes, the <laughs> uh, the difference between uh, metal type and photopolymer is also in the sharpness of result. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the plastic, no matter how hard, is still has a bit of resilience. And I am constantly frustrated by the um, soft edges of uh, print from the polymer plates, whereas the um, metal type um, has a sharpness that is just delicious. I just <laughs> love that. Yeah, that's funny. And... <laughs> So I, I want to talk. Let me let me ask you when you so you said you got into letterpress about late seventies. Uh, you said your first class was yes. seventy eight. So what was your first press? Uh, let's see. It was a uh, I think it was the eight by twelve CMP. CMP. Yeah, it's the uh, smallest floor model that's that's easily movable <laughs> and large enough to do a decent impression. Yeah. Most, most uh, designers and customers don't realize that the area on a platen press, the area, the larger the area to be impressed, the less deep the impression will go. It's mm -hmm. just a, a matter of physics. Uh, and people get upset now that uh, you don't get a deep impression, which is the current uh, aesthetic on a press like that. It mm -hmm. just isn't beefy enough to do it. Right. Uh, you need a larger press. But well, but the 8, eight by 8x12 is just uh, perfect for cards and small yeah. small things. There, so we uh, we also have uh, a Chandler and Price 8x12. It's about 100 years old. but. I, mm. I think, Frambi, perhaps from my perspective, uh, the, the, the press is not so small. <laughs> when having to, oh, yeah. to, to move and pick that up, it was, I, think, yeah. I guess, in relation to a lot of the bigger presses. But that thing is maybe 1,200 pounds. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, yes. It's a big hunk of steel. Probably that. Yeah. Did you, do you have uh, two-by-fours or uh, on, under the... Uh, we uh, do, yeah. We, we and yes. luckily when we picked it up from uh, the person we purchased it from, they had a um, forklift and they just loaded it right oh, onto yes. our truck. And then when we delivered it to the location, we had a pallet jack, so it all worked out really well. Uh, but uh -huh. you know, that it's still a really large. I, I can't imagine it coming into our house in any way, shape, or form. Uh huh. Well, I had a Vandercook in my um, uh, townhouse in the living room. And you, if you have a, two, a large um, piece of ply, one three quarter inch plywood under it, it will distribute the weight. Mm. So okay, yeah. So you, yeah, you, we we've talked about Vandercooks over email before, and and one thing I I was just almost flabbergasted by. You told me you purchased a Vandercook SP fifteen in the nineties, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Ninety one or ninety two. Uh, for a hundred dollars, <laughs> don't you wish you had and, held on to that? And uh... <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, I had that was the time when the offset printers just wanted them gone. Mm -hmm. So um, it was in the had been in the corner for years and years, and finally he decided he wanted to put something else there, and uh, it was um, just get the thing out of here. Right. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, nowadays they go for anywhere from ten to to fifteen thousand dollars, and they're very it's, difficult to track down. It's unbelievable. I I think they are completely um, overpriced. Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine having a uh, 
successful business trying to pay off one of those mm -hmm. and it's so slow by comparison yeah but uh, so, a lot of uh people prefer them for their i guess the the cylinder impression versus the platen press right because it, it's kind of a different yes. type of uh letter press yes you can yeah. do a deeper bite with mm -hmm. a vander cook because only a an eighth of an inch or so is directly in contact with the paper and uh, uh, image at a time. Uh, but this deep impression that people are wanting nowadays are killing those presses. They're, those bearings are not meant to uh, have that kind of pressure on them. So I don't think I would buy a Vandercook that had been used in a uh, current print shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, well uh, that's something you mentioned about the, the the current aesthetic, you know, is the the deep impression, that really deep bite. But having seen, I, I've heard multiple times that it, that's letterpress printing was about the, the kiss is what I think people have called yes. it is just barely touching the paper just enough to distribute that ink. And I, I yes. guess having been been educated, you know, uh, back in the seventies on letterpress, I mean, is that, is that what you were taught when you learned also? Yes, yeah. that's right. Okay. Although the early printing, uh, the equipment was so bad that, uh, un uneven, uh, wooden presses that the paper was routinely dampened and um, uh, printed on and you get very uneven impression and some areas are just way too deep mm -hmm. but they, they just didn't have the ability to do any better so the the deep impression has been around for 500 years but in the early 20th century the uh, uh, commercial uh, aspect of printing was especially for books was to not have any show through of the impression uh, to interfere with your reading of the back side of the page mm. so but even in uh, general commercial printing the aesthetic was uh, kiss and uh, the craft was being able to um, level everything all the irregular uh, pieces of type or illustration that were copper engraving mm -hmm. to even that all out to a kiss impression very fast so and get the job out so i have enormous um, uh, respect for the old timers and how they were able to get that done mm -hmm. nowadays uh, now that you can get that way so much uh, faster, cheaper, and easier at Kinko's, the wedding market really, I think, has driven the idea of the uh, extra deep impression so that the uh, recipients of the invitation uh, 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 know that you are not cheap or that you uh, did not have it done at Kinko's. Mm -hmm. So it's an artificial uh, thing on the one hand, but uh, I do like it to in moderation. Uh, and a friend, a friend of mine says that uh, instead of the kiss impression, this new way is the French kiss impression. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's good. That, it, 
it's funny because I've always heard, but um, everything I've seen and known for the past few years as we have uh, learned has all been, you know, the the deeper the better, you know, get a 200-pound yes. stock and, and just bite into it. Um, well, yes, I sometimes uh, call that kind of work uh, that I'm a letterpress smasher, mm. not a printer. <laughs> so you can crack the paper. That's not good. Mm-hmm. but And it's also uh, strictly um, one dimension. I, that uh, I object to as well. It's just one single depth through the entire sheet. Whereas I have done modeling, uh, having um, the, um, what's the word? My memory is going. (laughs) Um, The packing. I have done, I have printed trees, for instance, having different amounts of packing from left to right to give a subtle, very subtle difference in depth and so rounding. And I've done it with uh, a balloon shape uh, by doing that as well. And the um, heavy impression actually makes the paper bow. So the balloon does get a, a subtle third dimension. Wow, yeah, that's a great idea. The, the sort of tearing the packing uh, across your, your yes. image. Like one one edge could be lower than the other. Right, right. It's very subtle, but um, for me, much of the excitement of letterpress is having the uh, shadow, the um, um, well, the modeling of sh- of shape and the texture. Mm-hmm. The tactile aspect of letterpress is uh, just fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the the bigger drivers for me when we were talking about the impression is that being able to feel it uh, on the Mm -hmm. paper compared to something that comes out of a digital printer, you can can feel that something created this and and it wasn't a simple... uh, Uh, Kinko's type printer. Yes, uh, it gives you an appreciation that it was, and it and it kind of fits in with the broader, you know, the handmade um, sort of uh, artisan approach, which is which is you know a, a unique for you because you, your shop is also called Art Artisan Printer. Yes, yes, that's true. The um, uh, it's not um, uh, how to say it um, the. The general gestalt of culture is now shifting from smooth to um, handmade, uh, edgy, and just as our technology has been forcing us one way, uh, people are rebelling and wanting the vintage and the rough and the handmade and the mm-hmm. even in digital, the emphasis now is on. Uh, rough typefaces and pretending that it's um, rough when it's still flat and digital, but there is such a craving for physicality that that the uh, culture is uh, uh, kind of bounces back and forth in what it what it wants. Mm-hmm. It's quite fascinating the sociological aspect of um, 
technology and culture. Yeah, it it, it really is. To, to and, and I mean, I I would venture to guess that what has contributed to the overwhelming rise of letterpress over the past, um, what would you say, 10, 15, 20 years? I mean, well, it's actually 25, I would say. Yeah. 20, I, although I, the, the book printers really kept it going, and now the mm. graphic designers have overwhelmed everyone else. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, to me, the uh, designers are treating, there's designers who print, and I, on the other hand, I'm a printer that designs. Mm-hmm. And uh, graphic design seems to be uh, uh, making type a uh, another graphic element to be manipulated, whether, whereas for me, type is more orderly and uh, communicates its message. But mm-hmm. to me, designers are... Uh, are not doing it that way. So they they want more graphic-y elements, and type can be fractured and uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, really just an another element to be moved around. Right. And I'm not not so keen about that. Yes. Well, you know, your appreciation of type is is really fascinating. It's something I've never even really considered until the past few years. My wife being an artist and she's mm-hmm. she has read multiple books up just about type and I've never really thought about the way a letter is shaped how it mm-hmm. communicates, you know, and, and it's just funny because you know, maybe Four years ago, I probably would have, if I had been asked to print a wedding invitation, I probably would have thrown Times New Roman on there and, you know, called it <laughs> called it a day and said, here's your wedding invitation. And I don't think that yeah. would fly these days. And it communicates a certain sort of lack of caring. But I mean, it's, yes, well, it's good that you've be, become educated. You know, you, I'm sure there's more to go, but um, you've um, you've passed the first test. No Times New Roman. <laughs> yeah. Although that was designed by, by the comp- my last type company, uh, Monotype. Monotype. I'm very proud to have worked at Monotype. And then Times New Roman was developed in the uh, 30s for the wow. uh, Times of London uh, newspaper. That's why it's Times New. It's the, the New Roman for the Times newspaper. Wow. Well, so given your penchant for for type, and what is your favorite typeface? Is that the right typeface? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I have many favorites, <laughs> uh, but I would say Centaur is the most consistent favorite. Um, a Venetian Roman, um, uh, Nicholas Jensen, uh, in Venice in 1470 or so, used a typeface that uh, has come to be the most admired of the early typefaces. And it has a, an Italian Renaissance feel to it, very sharp-edged, and uh, I have great uh, admiration for it. Uh, Garamond is another one. Uh, from the early 1500s, there are many uh, versions of Garamond. Uh, and then um, um, 
diotima or diatoma, I'm not sure how to uh, pronounce it, but uh, designed by the wife of Hermann Zopf. Um, she was mostly a bookbinder, but um, she married Hermann Zopf, and he quipped once that uh, he had married the competition. <laughs> it's uh, it's hardly used in the U.S., but um, is used in Europe more. Uh, my interests are more um, uh, European types, um, but Diotima has a very large uh, X height, very unusual structure. It's a seraph uh, type, and in the rarefied world of um, uh, rare book kind of printing it's and uh, wood engraving it goes very well with wood engraving um, so I love that as well yeah well so you mentioned your your you have a uh, appreciation for you know more European aspects well I, I'm curious you actually have a European press is it is it right a, a yes. German uh, it's I have two European presses and uh, European, well, at least uh, France, Germany, Switzerland, and Italy have a different type high than British and American. Ours is 0.918, and over there it's 0.928, so it's a hundredth of an inch deeper. Fortunately, I, I essentially bought the shop of a Swiss printer who had emigrated to Canada, and I bought that uh, 10 years ago. And I did get um, two and a half um, uh, type cabinets of European height type. So I can use that with these two presses. The, um, the big press, my beloved press, is from the Geetz company, G-I-E-T-Z, uh, Swiss. And um, it's of the sort that's called a fine art platen or a parallel platen press so just not like the Chandler and Price which is hinged at the bottom and acts like a clamshell the uh, fine art platens uh, the Victoria is another of that sort there's several others as well but as it comes up the last half inch or so is uh, before it hits the type or image is perfectly parallel to the image. So it, it gets a more consistent impression. And it also has a, uh, a roller height adjustment. So I can move the rollers uh, uh, either back from the, the impression or the type or towards it. So I usually uh, pull out the inking rollers away from the face of the image and then dial it in until I just barely hit the surface mm -hmm. so I can get very uh, uh, sharp edges on my uh, paper as opposed to the CNP having uh, just a general kind of, I think people over ink uh, often I, what I do what I call under ink and over impress. <laughs> so I want I want sharp edges to my type more than I want anything else. Mm -hmm. 
Um, well, let me. So, you know, I think it's really fascinating that you've got so many European presses. Most of what I've seen, and you know, are the standard Chandler and Prices, the Kelseys, the tabletops, and, and such. But I'm I'm curious. I know you have you've offered courses for people to and workshops. You know, how, how do people? It, it, one, I guess, take to learning on European presses, and two, how do they, how do people just learn letterpress in general? What are their common struggles or questions? I mean, how does that how does that go? Um, Going for you? Yes, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, mostly, I use the I have changed the uh, tabletop German press, the Honer, to be uh, 0.918 uh, type high, so I can use my uh, uh, American type and not uh, risk damage to the European type. Uh, and it's also safer. It's a hand-operated tabletop. Um, most people are, quite a few designers take, have taken the classes, and uh, they, they often, when coming into the shop, have this great sense of relief that they have found where they needed to be. Mm. It's quite fascinating that, you know, that tactile, everything in the letterpress shop is tactile. Yeah. It's the, the name of the game. So they have been so overwhelmed by flat digital stuff that being in a analog space is a, a wonderful thing for them. So I, I I should charge people for that. I think. <laughs> Would you? I'm curious. Do you often send people out and they're going to now look for presses to buy and equipment yes. to acquire? Yeah. Yes, um, I'd say half half the people express interest in it, and maybe 25% of them actually are serious, and maybe one or two can actually find it, mm. find a press. Um, for um, uh, difficulty in learning, it's mostly the um, uh, reading backwards part. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people get really confused. And when uh, adjusting a, an image left or right or up and down on the paper, that's also a confusion because the image stays where it is and the piece piece of paper is going to move if you are if you're too close to the bottom of the paper mm-hmm. on, on your first print um, you're not going to move the paper up as you would think in normal ways you would you are moving the paper down to send the image up so my mantra to students is too low move the paper low too high, move high. <laughs> too far left, move left. And too far right, move the paper right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I I recall many times when my wife and I, as we learned, we would print something and say, oh, okay, we need to go just you know hair to the right or maybe an inch to the right. And then I'd print it the next time around and it'd be off the paper the same <laughs> direction. You know, wait, yeah. no, I was supposed <laughs> to have adjusted it. Now I got to go back double what I just came and yeah. I wasn't keeping yeah. track of that. Uh, you found out the hard way. Yeah, I've, I think I've had many of those and I continue to uh, <laughs> to have many of those hard, hard way, hard lessons uh, learned. Yeah. Well, so, uh, in, oh, go ahead. in terms of buying uh, presses, it is incredibly difficult now. Um, 
uh, Briar Press is the, I think, generally considered the home base for letterpress online, uh, briarpress.org. There's a classified section there and discussion groups for problems that people have. But the problem is that everybody goes there looking for equipment, and you're you're lucky if you can snag it in time. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I have come to tell people is they should go, uh, they should not look online, but they should go to a county seat where there's a courthouse and there would have been a print shop that would print the court rulings and the town um, official documents and um, it's probably an offset shop now and they should go in and ask if they're if the retired owner is still alive and um, uh, see if he has anything in his garage mm-hmm. and um, I think that's more fruit more fruitful time spent because uh, many of the old timers were very dedicated and loved their trade and they have been not well honored by changing of technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might have kept some stuff and I, when I was doing stuff like that, the old timers were just so ecstatic that anyone expressed the slightest interest in his, his life and his work life. Uh, it's a wonderful thing both to see and learn from people like that as well as to belatedly honor their work. Absolutely. Uh, so I think that's uh, almost a better way to look for small equipment. Yeah, we, we um, that I think that is a fantastic idea. There's so many hidden treasures and, and gems out there that I think people haven't quite found. Our very first press we found at a a um, uh, where they antique show, and it was oh, yeah. you know, and I had no, we had no idea it was missing parts, but I didn't know we bought it anyway. <laughs> you know, it was missing, uh-huh. didn't have a chase or anything, but all we knew it was that it was a letterpress, and it was he sold it for I think hundred bucks or hundred fifty bucks or something like that. Uh-huh. And uh, I think now, you know, if everyone's going to put that on eBay, it'll be a lot more because of the popularity of letterpress. Yes, it's um, uh, capitalism at work, uh, supply and demand. It sure is. Um, well, let me ask you this. So I, I know you are retiring. You're, you're selling your shop. I mean, what, what's next for you and, and, and kind of what's, uh, what's your – yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm, I have uh, – plenty of other creative interests that don't weigh 20,000 pounds. So I'm <laughs> looking forward to having uh, a lighter weight. So I'm uh, art glass is one of my interests, uh, cast and fused glass. I love the translucency of it and the tonal aspects of it. Uh, ceramics is another. Um, I have to use my hands. You know, after I had a fancy uh, education, and at the end, what makes me happy is using my hands. Hmm. So I will have plenty of new creative things to do. So uh, it's not really going to be a retirement, but a uh, shift. Sure. Okay. Something. And I'm keeping a couple of uh, small presses and some type. So I will 
be able to uh, cultivate my continued interest in words. Okay, fantastic. Wow, what a career you've had, uh, you know, from type to, to letterpress to offset, you know, I, I think it's... Digital, yes. Yeah, um, you've seen that digital my... to analog, I mean, an, <laughs> yeah, it's back, I guess it's analog to digital to analog transition That's almost. That's right, yes. <clears throat> and my handwriting was turned into a digital font for Microsoft. Um, it's called Seago Script and Seago Print, S-E-G-O-E. And it's probably on um, all the more recent Windows operating systems and uh, the Office suite. So when I worked at Monotype, they were contracted to create the, a handwriting font for Microsoft. And uh, mine was chosen, and it was great fun. Wow. Was that just a, almost like a, a backroom decision where, you know, they say, hey, Brian, we need you to write oh. this down. And <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, they no. sent out a um, company-wide uh, announcement that if anyone wanted to uh, uh, submit their handwriting, that it would be, uh, uh, they would look at it and decide from all of the workers which one. Wow. And mine, I think, was the, the least um, eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. You've so, got your own... so I have a uh, uh, patent uh, credit in the uh, uh, Patent and Trademark Office. But once I, I wrote out 20 or 30 pages of uh, words and then also wrote out Greek and Cyrillic, those languages would also, writing systems would also be included. And I found that Greek was very difficult to try to make into a cursive uh, script. Um, the in the incoming stroke and the outstroke just didn't uh, flow. And I, I never have found a uh, cursive Greek. Um, but, um, it was a fun project. I, I was joking about maybe I wouldn't be able to write out my shopping list because of copyright infringement. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's uh that could be a tricky legal question. Yeah. Uh, that's really fascinating. <laughs> that's so cool. Well, um, yes. well, look, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. This has been a fantastic conversation. Where can, where can people find you online? Are you, I think you have Instagram. Uh, yes, my uh, website is artisanprinter.com, A-R-T-I-S-A-N printer.com. So uh, Facebook is, uh, I don't know why it's like this, brian.allen.96592 or searching for artisan printer. Uh, Instagram is Brian Allen Art, and I don't use Twitter very much now, but uh, okay. that is at Brian Allen Art. Fantastic. 
just want to make sure people can keep track of your new ventures and your new artistic endeavors uh, yeah. as, as you move on. That's fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for your time. I, I'm so grateful you took the time to talk to me today. And uh, I've got so much knowledge. And I think people <laughs> will really uh, will really appreciate a lot of the, the historical context and sort of your observations of seeing letterpress through oh, yes. printing. Well, Yes, I'm uh, grateful for the opportunity to speak with you about the thing that I love. So thank you very much. Hey, folks, thank you for tuning in. I hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Brian Allen, the artist and printer. Uh, He has such a wealth of knowledge and who knew he has a typeface designed after his own handwriting that was used for Microsoft. That was uh, that was really crazy. Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, well, I, I really hope you're enjoying the podcast thus far. We've got some great interviews lined up uh, in the future. Uh, just a reminder, from this point forward, new episodes will be released every other week, so once every two weeks. Please leave a review in iTunes uh, and subscribe. It helps others find the show. Uh, for links and references to a lot of the topics we covered, you can visit the website, letterpressdigest.com slash two. So that's forward slash the number two. Uh, There's also an email list where you can sign up to hear more. Uh, I've mentioned a couple times that my wife and I are starting a business. Uh, So we've actually recently been pulling all of those pieces together and are slowly getting our feet under us. Uh, We bought what I'd call our primary press, which is a Vanderkirk SP15, you've heard conversation quite a bit of a Vandercooks. That's uh, where my mind is quite a bit. Uh, but we bought that this past April and uh, then sat in our living room while we remodeled its eventual home, uh, which is an in-house studio. Uh, but now we're actually starting to get things organized and in place and, and we'll hopefully be printing soon. So you'll probably be hearing a bit more about that as well. Well, I hope you really enjoyed it. If you have ideas or thoughts for the podcast, I am all ears. You can contact me through the website or find me on social media as well, at Letterpress Digest. Well, uh, until next time.